This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast. I am Dave Etler, and uh, but you don't care about that. What you do care about, or what you should care about, is the fact that I'm here with Levi Endelman. Hey. I'm here with Patrick Brow. Howdy. I'm here with Tony Mai. Greetings. And Brett Hansen Hello. has joined us. We got two noobs in the uh, in the studio today. Welcome, gentlemen. What made you uh, decide to embark on this journey with us? <laughs> Don't everybody wow. stop at once. Wow. Hey, you know what Asking podcasting is all about? Talking. Questions, Dave. Yeah, okay. Asking Let's just the have tough 30 questions. minutes of silence. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was referred by a, a good friend who was here, Irene. Oh. Yeah. She Irene. said it was really, really fun. And yeah, I decided to try it out. Okay. Well, uh, I hope that it lives up to the hype. Yeah, Tony kind of dragged me along, so <laughs> I'm like, here. All like, right. Brett, what are you doing this morning? Come on. <laughs> it's a broadcast. Uh, we've had a couple, uh, a couple lady casts recently. Um, try to, try to keep it from devolving, gentlemen. <laughs> Making right. promises. Hey, I got a listener question. Uh, she didn't want to provide her name, so I'm going to call her uh, Euthalia, just because. It's a beautiful I, name. Yeah, I thought so. Here we go. Hello, short Cor- short coat podcast. Um, I've called before, and again, I won't leave my name, but I did apply to University of Iowa. College of Medicine this cycle, and I just got my letter of rejection pre-secondary, so I was pretty bummed. I was really looking forward to hopefully getting an interview and getting to see the campus since it was one of the schools I really wanted to go to. But uh, sort of in response to your episode this week about how many schools you applied to and what did you like and why, I'm wondering if any of you had to reapply and what you guys how did you guys deal with the rejection the first time? Um, what changes did you make? And, of course, usually the fix will take about two years because by the time you figure it out, the next cycle is already beginning. So, anyway, just wanted your insight. And uh, that I'll never be going to University of Iowa. All right. Bye. You fail you. I feel you. I'm pretty proud of myself for that one. <laughs> uh, so that's why you named her that. I okay. did not. I just thought that up just now. That's oh. how good I am on the mic, Pat. Bullshit. <laughs> He's our very own Dr. Seuss over here. Right. Uh, I'm so sorry that you weren't uh, able to come visit us this cycle. I, 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 it's a sucky feeling. I, you know, no doubt. Um, and we've actually talked about it a few times on the show uh, before. Um, several of our co-hosts have had this problem. Uh, John. Didn't get into John Pianta. Didn't get into his residency of choice. Had to go through the arduous supplemental offer and acceptance program, or SOAP, to get one. Uh, last week, Gabriel admitted he had to apply tr- twice. Aline, uh, she didn't get in at first. Um, but one thing that so I, I went and talked to uh, Kathy Mullenbrook, our uh, admission director of admissions, and. Uh, I told her about your call, and she immediately suggested, without hesitation, 
you know, start by looking at your your grades in your MCAT. I mean, you know, those might be the things that you need to concentrate on. Um, but she also said, and this is very important, contact, if, if you listeners are in this situation, contact that school's admissions director. Ask them, what, what did I do wrong? What, what can I, what do I need to fix? Um, uh, and, and in this case, since it was Iowa, I can tell you that uh, she wants you to do that. Um, she'd be happy to talk with you about it. And she did say that not all schools offer that to applicants who don't get uh, a, an invitation to uh, do the secondary. So take advantage of it. Uh, in her words, we're not dream killers. Uh, she, wants to, she wants to help out. Any of you guys uh, miss your first time around? Yeah, yep. so I actually experienced that. I applied twice. First time applied to Iowa. I got an interview but didn't get in. But I did just what Dave was talking about, and I came in and I talked to some of the people in admissions just to see what I could do to maybe get in the second time around, and I guess it worked out. I was kind of in a very similar boat. I applied my first time, got interviewed, but I got rejected um i spoke with kathy in the admissions office she gave a lot of helpful advice she said like here are your strengths so don't worry about those but here are your weaknesses take some time create a plan and then act on it i think another thing too is just kind of like assess where you are and what you want to do um when i got rejected i was working in rehab or substance abuse rehab and i realized that like i wanted to do something with public health as well so i took time got my master's in public health and that really helped me in my application the second time around uh yeah no it's a you know to some extent uh getting into medical school it's uh it's a numbers game um, not only do you have to have you know the you know the right grades the right scores um but you also have to i mean be a, among the few the few people who get your secondary application and then the even fewer people who get interviewed and um, maybe maybe it's just sad luck in this case, um, you, you know, but definitely talk to, you know, definitely give us a call, uh, find out what's going on. Um, and don't give up hope because even if this time, you know, first of all, the College of Medicine, Carver College of Medicine, I, hard to believe, but we're not the only fish in the sea, um, you know. But, uh, and B, fix what needs fixing and try again. The downside is it might be, as you say, it might be a couple of years, Euthalia, before you can apply again. But the upside is if you were applying right out of college the first time, you will look that much better to an admissions committee because you have some uh, real world experience between now and then that you can add to your application. Like uh, Patrick said, he, you know, you, you went and got a degree, mm -hmm. so I, that counts as real world, but in, for the purposes of this discussion. Yeah, more education, I guess. Yeah, uh, you know, but uh, it, it made you, it differentiated you mm -hmm. just that little bit more. Right. Um, so. And also, like, if grades, let's say grades are an issue, it's a, another opportunity to, pr you know, prove that you are a good student and worthy of, you know, applying to med school and getting in. Yeah. So if you had, like, a couple bad semesters in undergrad, you know, it may kind of bring your GPA down, but when you're in graduate school and you're able to get, you know, A's and B pluses and all that good stuff, it'll look like it'll be, it'll prove that you've changed over time and you are a solid student now. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so good luck. Let us know how it goes. Uh, keep us in the loop. 
I like hearing back from people, even if they don't want to leave their names. Euthalia. So, you guys, uh, this week in the news, the Endocrine Society released new guidelines for how young transgender kids can begin hormone therapy. Uh, they say young kids can benefit psychologically from matching their hair and clothes to their gender identity. I think we pretty much knew that. But that hormone treatment can be, be beneficial for kids younger than 16. Um, and the benefits of that, uh, post-treatment, it's easier to deal with an Adam's apple or breasts if you've never developed them. So that's pretty, pretty clear. Um, but they say, of course, only trained mental health professionals should diagnose and prescribe treatment for tra- transgender patients um, and that they need sufficient medical capacity to give consent. I feel like, uh, do, what do you guys, have you guys uh, thought about um, the hormone treatment, transgender medicine, anything like that? Is that something that you've speculated about? Uh, learning more about I've come across a patient who had received like early intervention with like her hormones Mm -hmm. um, and I ran into her on a psych ward and it was interesting because at first I had no idea that she was born a biological male and after she came out to me about like her transgender and how she'd been receiving therapy it was really fascinating to see like yeah it was kind of fascinating to see her story and then compared to some of the individuals that I had met while working in rehab, but who had not received like that early intervention, who mm-hmm. had all pretty prominent secondary sexual characteristics uh, that didn't match their identity, um, and how that kind of caused a lot of anxiety and depression amongst them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, I, it feels like it makes sense to me. I, I suppose that, um, you know, there there were old studies from the seventies and eighties that said. Uh, it, what eighty percent of people who had transitioned to another gender uh, regretted the decision and changed their minds. Um, those are pretty outdated at this point. Number one, um, society has changed a little bit, but also number two, I think there were. It, it sounds like there were some flaws in in the methodology and in the assumptions made, um, and also in the diagnosis of. Um, people who were this this is what uh this article i read said and i'm not sure i understand but Mm -hmm. um more people were diagnosed as transgender than were actually transgender and that's why 80 percent of them changed their minds that doesn't feel right to me i don't know how you get because like isn't like one of the key aspects is like you identify as the opposite gender. Yeah. Like, if I don't identify as the opposite gender, how could I be, you know, diagnosed as transgender? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's the possibility that somebody is... Also, are you yeah, actually diagnosed know. as transgender? Because I know it's, like, gender identity disorder, or the current DSM is uh, gender dysphoria, uh-huh. is what it's called. Maybe that's what... I mean, I you mean, gotta, you, you gotta, always got to keep in mind, the listeners, when uh, day of... Uh, reads articles from the news that he literally has no idea what he's talking about <laughs> and neither do the people reporting the news uh, which is a little frustrating for Dave but um, but you know yeah so I, I suspect that um, I, I don't know it was, it was also weird to me thinking that you know back in the 70s and 80s when when uh, gender dysphoria wasn't a thing at least it wasn't a diagnosis how did they over diagnose people as being gender dysphoric or gender or whatever they called it back then you know like it would seem to me that people that it would be more likely in the 70s and 80s for people to go whatever you're a boy shut up 
I think, or you're a girl. Shut up. You know what I'm saying? Like, usually right. when I do a PubMed search and I see something from the 70s, I ignore that article. Yeah. <laughs> search has changed. Like, as like a five year half life. Yeah. Like a lot of that stuff is going to be obsolete by the time, like, you know, today. Yeah. Especially if it's from the 70s, where there's a lot of like social issues that were going on at the same time that may have kind of influenced the direction of science. It just that yeah, it it seemed weird to me, but but also, you know the other the other problems with that with that data are still apply. So mm-hmm. so um, so yeah, other things in the news. I di- so everybody is aware of uh, I think at this time nurse, mm-hmm. the Salt Lake City nurse Alex Wubbles Wubbles last week, yeah, who yeah. was uh, basically abused by a police detective who an overzealous police detective who. Wouldn't, who was upset that she wouldn't ignore hospital guidelines prohibiting blood draws from unconscious patients. Um, and then I read an article this week as sort of a follow-up to that idea, which is that nurses are... Uh, the, the job of nursing is actually more dangerous than prison guard or police officer in some places. Um, they get abused regularly, especially in... Um, I think especially in uh, the emergency room and things like that, where... You know, things are going pear-shaped all the time. Um, and who is it they get abused by? Patients. Patients. Stressed out family members <laughs> uh, or, or doctors. Let's not have that be the case, guys. <laughs> but, yeah, um, there are plenty of examples of nurses being kicked, punched, pummeled by furniture, verbally Whoa. abused. It's like WWE in there, apparently. I, yeah, it seems like it. Um, in fact, Massachusetts has a is my my own home state, Massachusetts, uh, is considering Elise's law named for a 65 year old uh, ER nurse, Elise Wilson, who was brutally stabbed this past June by a patient she was assisting in the ER. Um, and it's an act that would require healthcare employers to perform annual safety risk assessments, uh, develop programs to minimize the danger of workplace violence to healthcare employees and patients. Are we going to have to check patients for weapons before they come into the emergency yeah, room? Yeah, like what does that mean? The times we live in. What does that mean, right? I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you, what, yeah, it, I think it remains to be seen what that, how, what shape those interventions will take. If you get admitted to my ER, you're going to be strapped to the bed. You, <laughs> are you going to go into emergency medicine, Patrick? Probably not. <laughs> not anymore. I don't think they'll let me. Not anymore. After not that after comment. you said that. Yeah. Uh, strike that one, please, uh, Dave. I don't. <laughs> oh, are you serious? No, I'm not serious at all. Let it be known. <laughs> oh, boy. I, you know, I, I could see it, though. I could see you it, though. You can see that? I can, I can see. No. I and can, me in particular, is that just. No, like, no, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm back to the story. It's not all oh, about you, Patrick. I'm sorry. I'm God sorry. I'll, I'll leave. Um, no, I could see being in the ER, being a, a nurse in the ER could be a pretty dangerous proposition sometimes. I mean, people are at, literally at their worst mm-hmm. when they come to the ER. Nobody is happy in the ER. And then you've got all the usual problems that people bring. Yeah, we have to give it to them. They're like the front lines. Yeah. Vanguard of all of us. Yeah, you could just be like, well, I'm sorry, you look a little angry. Uh, why don't you wait <laughs> I don't outside? Care if you're bleeding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they spend the most amount of time with each patient. So, I mean, just by duration of exposure the nurses do yeah yeah, the nurses yeah so i mean it kind of makes sense that they're going to be the ones who are subject the most abuse yeah 
they're probably also the ones having to tell the people in the waiting room, oh, no, we'll we'll see you in an hour. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's also true because I remember when I've been in the ER a couple times, there was always a nurse at the desk who said, oh, we'll see you in about two hours or whatever as I'm, like, bleeding off, you know, a gallon a minute. But what were you doing? Uh, he was bleeding. Fifth. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, I was bleeding. Just leave it at that. Was this a college injury? I, uh, I plead the fifth. I don't know. I remember uh, when I was when I was in college, uh, my friend threw a beer bottle to another friend who caught it while holding a beer bottle. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Boy, so, say that one more time. How does that work? <laughs> Not very well, apparently. Conservation uh, of momentum yeah. took over and shattered it. Yeah, and uh, so we had to, he had a huge cut on his hand. We had to, you know, just huge gash. We had to take him to the. So I. I don't know if this is implied, but I'm assuming it was an empty beer bottle in his hand. No, no, he was. I don't know why she decided that he needed a beer because <laughs> he clearly didn't. Oh, sometimes judgment is impaired in these sorts of yeah, situations. Yeah, I mean, right. it happens. It happens. I'm just glad I wasn't the one who did it. He's uh, absolved of involvement. I, yeah, yeah. I'm always happy when other people make mistakes, and it's not Schadenfreude. Me. Yeah, that's true. I, psych nurses, I bet. Uh, oh yeah you know although I, maybe i don't know like never been a psych nurse i don't know what it's like on a psych ward are people more under control under under restraint there if they're i mean when i i mean when i was working in substance abuse which has a lot of mental health components to it there have been many times where like i've been assaulted by patients mm -hmm. um i have been there was one time i had feces thrown at me which was kind of you know like that's a story to tell I yeah yeah Tell us that story. <laughs> um, I was doing evening. I was working the night shift and I go into, I have to go into each room, make sure that all the res our patients are there. Cause you know, sometimes they might try to abscond and like get sure. heroin or whatever. Sure. Um, I go into this guy's room. He wasn't entirely thrilled with me being there. Um, so on the second time around, he apparently had like premeditated feces throwing and had like shit. Yeah. He had shit somewhere like in his underwear and then he as i came in he yelled at me and threw it at the door awesome. as i was entering so Did were there any you? fans nearby what's up no there <laughs> were no fans um <laughs> i didn't get hit thankfully but i mean no one wants to get hit by feces but uh he did get discharged because that's considered assaulting you know a medical person mm. so yeah mm. fun times yeah i have my own story from uh bus my bus driving days uh, mm -hmm. mr feces call him he got on the bus and, and left many many presents so on my bus this was a regular no this was a one-time fortunately oh. it was a one-time occurrence but i was uh a, a new bus driver didn't quite know how to how to handle it i was like well and you know eventually he got off the bus and i was like yay and i got back on the bus and drove away and realized that you know he he'd left a little part of himself and <laughs> And uh, just a little memento, a little memento. It was terrible. He'd, I, he'd finger painted with it on the. Oh, oh, I just love that it only takes one time to become Mr. Feces. I just I just want to note, Dave. Well, I don't because I don't think he was like I don't think it was an accident is what I'm saying. <laughs> clearly, clearly. So I just want to note, Dave, that you told us not to devolve the conversation in about 21 minutes in that we're sort of talking about. Yeah. Shit. So I many of my warnings. <laughs> we did appreciate only that. What's that? Levi. <laughs> we did a shitty job of that. Yeah. My, I, most of my warnings apply to me. I, I will tell the listeners that whenever I edit the show, 
I'm almost always editing myself. <laughs> <laughs> we can devolve. Self-preservation. Okay. Yeah, you know what? Screw it. Devolve. Turn into like apes. Whatever you want to do. Um, well, wh- here's another thing that I read about this week. Uh, and we're going to do a little, little experiment here. Oh, before we do, guys, while I'm talking, uh, put, take out your, your phones and download a uh, Heartbeat app, if you would. Um, so when my son was real little, he was kind of anxious all the time. Uh, one way that he naturally dealt with this was by talking to himself. And, you know, I didn't realize why he was doing it at the time. He was just constantly talking to himself, uh, telling himself stories and, you know, just wandering around talking. Um, so when I read about a study which says that if you talk to yourself in the third person, your anxiety will decrease, I thought, I've got to give this a shot. I've got to try this out. So, uh, and I thought, and the other thing I thought was medical students are sometimes an anxious bunch. Don't you think? No, really. No, not at all. I never heard well, that. Well, how would you... Wait, we have ah. an exam coming up. Oh, it's in an hour. <laughs> we do? I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> how would you characterize your anxiety uh, in general? Do you guys feel that you are a relaxed group of people, or are you... I would categorize it as existential dread. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think we have a relaxed group here right now. I think so. I, we I think do. maybe... I think maybe too, yeah. Well, Brett and I were just talking about this morning. Um, a lot of the the learning, like the tough learning, we felt like a lot of it was done when we first came in. But now that we kind of have like a foundational um, basis of it all, it's kind of like a little better. Okay. It doesn't feel as uh, crazy yeah. anymore. It's actually kind of fun to learn now. Yeah. And I could, I should say, I, I didn't make it clear, but mm-hmm. uh, you guys are all M2s. Right. Yes. Yeah, so we are. Now that we have learned how to learn. Yeah, I mean, that's... Absolutely put. So if I had... ever just learned not to care. I wish I had... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've known that one for a long time, Pat. <laughs> for the purposes hey, of this... for ex- apathy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for the purposes of this experiment, it might be better to have a bunch of, uh, you know, noobs uh, to medical school. Here. Maybe some of those interviewees. Jesus, uh, Levi. Levi's got his watch out, his, his Apple watch. He's at 111 right now. You all right? Yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Just you know, flail your arm around a little bit, raise it up further. Well, you you others who are uh, who are not as as anxious. Um, Valsalva, drop my heart rate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I decided is, so you've all got uh, smartphone apps on your phone ready to go, right? Uh, I, to there measure. was like thirty yes, different. Well, are we measuring? Because I can just. We well, are. Okay. Holy crap! All right, you're gonna, Oh yeah, you've got your you've got your Fitbit on. Yeah. Are you talking to yourself in third person? Lisa? So the the question is, will yes, your heart rate is. decrease? Will this technique of talking to yourself in the third person, so like Dave is feeling good now, Dave is feeling not anxious, Dave is, <laughs> so that's what you got to do. You got to use your name, talk to yourself, <laughs> describe, you know, describe how you want to be maybe, um, but using your name. What if you get so existential about it that you get nervous? Well, Whoa. that's what we're here to, that's what we're here to find out. All right, let's see. Who now, am I? Because it's a, because <laughs> it's a podcast person? and full disclosure, uh, I learned about the study, uh, from the Re- internet, from Rhett and Link on Good Mythical Morning. I thought you were saying Reddit for a second. No. <laughs> Rhett and Link on Good Mythical Morning, one of my favorite YouTube shows. They don't need the listeners. They don't need the, the viewers. So, you know, don't, you don't feel like you have to go and watch them. But, uh, this is a podcast. Um, so we need to do this with sound. So I have downloaded some sounds that I thought might make people anxious. Uh, for instance, uh, baby crying. Ah! 
you know, maybe pots, heartwarming. maybe pots and pans, <laughs> <laughs> maybe pots and pans uh, banging around uh, might be anxiety provoking. Okay, but it's, it's just making me hungry. Yeah, it'd be kind of make, it'd make me more anxious if it was like the sound was getting closer, like it was like <laughs> B-list horror movie. All right, or uh, or what about uh, what about screaming? Yeah! <laughs> I was waiting for the Wilhelm scream. That's better. <laughs> I feel like, like it's from no... a game or something. Yeah, <laughs> there's like no context to it, so it's just like this is funny. There is a sound. Uh, called infrasound which is supposed to it's basically sound below 20 hertz which is supposed to induce a feeling of uh of dread and anxiety Ooh. I, don't, yeah. I don't i don't, I don't want, like that i don't like that sound that's just annoying yeah yeah so here's what we have. I've got all these. I apologize to all the listeners out there who are yeah. listening to those sounds of headphones on well it's gonna get that worse my heart rate 40 beats wow so it's gonna get worse <laughs> uh, let's uh <laughs> Let's uh, 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 open up our apps and, uh, and, and put your fingers on the phone. And um, we'll see if, uh, first of all, we'll, I've combined all of these sounds into one. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> and we'll see, if that, we'll see if that increases your anxiety. Are you ready? Everybody got their fingers here. on the buttons? I suppose. Give me a, give me a yes or no. I'm good. Yep. We're going. All right, here we go. Here's the sound. Start with a little infrasound, just to warm you up, get you ready. I shouldn't talk, maybe the soothing sounds is... Oh yeah. That is... I forgot fingernail scraping. On the chalkboard. How are we doing on our heart rates? Floating around seven. Yeah. Um, one second. Going up a bit. It's okay, yeah, Brett. It is it's definitely okay. going up. You're not anxious. <laughs> All right, so now uh, start talking to yourselves in your uh, third person, or yeah, third person. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tony. Talk to yourself. Well, Tony, this is a fine morning, and you're doing just fine, although my heart rate's going up. Don't worry, Tony. <laughs> this is all good. It's funny, my heart rate's going down listening to you talk. All right. What about you, Patrick? Give it a give it a shot. Well, Patrick's probably is doing just fine, though he is wondering why the hell he signed up for this, but... My heart rate is doing okay. I guess I should. Re Patrick Brow should refer to himself in the third person. Yes, because he should. He's wonderful at remembering how to do stuff. A lot of babies and screaming. Yeah. Right now. What about uh, Levi? How you doing there? I don't know. Levi's heart rate is swinging around ten beats up or down. So. Uh, hmm. Right uh, now, oh no, it's it's going up. It's going up. Yeah. Levi's heart rate is going up. Oh dear. Oh dear, Brett. Brett, everything is fine. Your heart rate isn't rocketing up because of these sounds. No, but really, this is—I'm staying at about 62 right now. So uh, you know what—you you know what's a great way to get new listeners for your podcast? <laughs> Not doing Not that. that. <laughs> 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 oh, I apologize, listeners. But you know, in this—in the name of—so, do you think that this experiment worked? 
was this a terrible experiment? Admittedly, design-wise, <laughs> I think this experiment was a terrible it was a terrible setup. I think our methodology requires peer review. Yeah. Uh, we have some preliminary data that can direct us for the future. Yeah. <laughs> Just That's what we call bullshit? Is that <laughs> Put that shit on a poster yeah. and present it. Preliminary data. Uh, no, I, I found it I, because, as I said, my, my, my son did this, and I think it worked really well for him when he was, when he was, when he was a toddler. You um, subjected him to that? All of that? I, <laughs> I never said I was a good parent. Fair enough. I am, I am simply... Simply a parent, uh, and uh, and and one who occasionally does a terrible job. Uh, so yeah, it, this probably deserves further study. But I think that you, uh, I, I think that if you're prone to anxiety, I could see how this would work. I'm going to start talking to myself in the third person. Please do not tell our peers to do this because I yeah. will never be able to focus while we're taking exams. <laughs> if everyone's gonna- Oh, it's okay. You're going to figure this question out. I yeah. think it'll just make me nervous hearing other people saying that. To you imagine just the, imagine during an exam. That will <laughs> ramp up my anxiety. That's can we sure. try to do patient histories in the third person? <laughs> <laughs> Tony is talking to you right now. <laughs> Tony is demonstrating empathy. <laughs> Tony is very sorry. <laughs> Tony should empathize faster. <laughs> well... I don't know. Give it a, give it a shot, uh, listeners. When you're feeling anxious, um, I probably could have used this in my younger days uh, myself. And uh, let us let us know how it goes. Um, could be a terrible idea. Um, it's a short show this week. I want to apologize for our listeners who uh, really wanted to get into this for much longer. But you know, I got things to do. You know what I'm saying? My life isn't all about you, listeners. That's our show. You're going to leave on that note? No. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, uh, seriously, thank you so much for hanging out with me, and thank you, listeners, for making us a part of your week. If you like what you heard today, you could talk about it, or just about anything else you like in our Facebook group, The Short Coats Student Lounge. Use it as a place to share questions with us, ideas, resources, recommendations, uh, ridiculous things that I could do with my my co-hosts, memes, I don't care. You don't like what you heard today? Tell us that too. You can send all of these thoughts to uh, the shortcodes at gmail.com. Leave us a message at 347 short CT. And uh, just like Athalia did, will uh, Euthalia, is that what I named her? Yeah, just like Euthalia did, you can you can uh, you can drop us a line with your questions. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox, and our closing music is by Catmosphere. We'll talk to you in one week. 